now you see why we say reportedly, because until a deal is done, the deal is not done. As we've seen over the years, the Ravens spend their money. They don't, they don't just sit on it. Um, so I expect them to make some other kind of move to bring somebody in. If you can get Clowney on a affordable, even if it's a one, two year deal, right? I'm in, I'm listening. Well, you know, I'm a classic tinker. So oh, I'm say, aware. <laughs> so to say I'm locked in on <laughs> Kenneth Murray would be uh, overestimation there. Welcome into the lounge. It's we're still uh, what a week and a half into free agency, and it's not slowing down, Garrett. I was up at midnight last night. <laughs> I was putting out some breaking news. Some breaking news. I was texting you. I was texting you like, "Hey, Garrett, you on this right?" You know what? You know what I was doing at midnight? Yeah. I thought us old guys, you always rail on me for being old. I thought the old people went to bed early. Nah, apparently you youngins. I, I mean, I am a firm eight hours of sleep a night guy. That's non-negotiable. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That Enjoy is it. it before you have kids. I, I don't believe you. That's smart. <laughs> I'm try- in, my, in my mind, if you accumulate as much sleep in your life before kids, maybe that you know, serves you well later in life. It doesn't work forward. like that. It's like rollover minutes. Rollover minutes expired, what, like 10 years ago? ago. Yeah, it's about that. Um, um, But yeah, a lot happening. Yeah, free agency. I mean, it's been been wild across the league and and for the Ravens. Um, And the latest is the Michael Brockers thing. You know, we were insane for the last uh, week, reportedly. And now you see why we say reportedly. Because Mm -hmm. until a deal is done, the deal is not done. And as we learned uh, this morning, uh, Michael Brockers is not coming to Baltimore. Um, that three-year reported $30 million deal is not happening. Basically, I'm sure as you guys know, uh, multiple reports, uh, the athletics, Jeff Rebeck has been all over it. But basically, he got a physical from an independent doctor that raised some red flags about the condition of his ankle. And as a result, the two sides try to work out a new deal. Couldn't do that. And uh, they decided to go separate ways, and Brockers ends up back in L.A. So, well, I mean – Here's the thing is he suffered, he suffered an ankle injury in the last game of last season, uh, was carted off the field and reading reports from that game, people were saying it looked pretty bad, right? I mean, when he guys carted off the field and Michael mm-hmm. Brockers has been pretty dependable. Uh, and then now with COVID-19, you have issues with getting guys to be seen by your doctors. So that just makes everything much more difficult in free agency. And, and you look at it and you're like, you know, and, and if you don't have a chance to get them in your building to start working with your doctors in terms of rehab, if there is rehab needed, mm-hmm. you don't know when he's going to be able to be back. You don't know what he's exactly doing. Who, you know, it just really complicates situations. So, um, you know, it's a shame. I think we were all excited about Brockers. Obviously, the Ravens wanted him. They wouldn't have, uh, you know, agreed to a deal in principle if not. Um, but things happen and, and circumstances change. And, and uh, we get to blame this one on coronavirus. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, well, it's interesting. Like even beyond coronavirus, I wonder if, even if that were not happening, if he comes in and they get a look at his ankle, yeah, maybe. they would have said, uh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Uh, you That's know, true. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 
it does leave a hole on the defensive line now. You know, earlier in the week on the podcast, we were talking about how defense is pretty much set, you know, plug in an inside linebacker on the drafts and you're done. Now, yep. all of a sudden, you're looking at the defensive line. Well, I don't think it's completely bare. You still have Brandon Williams, Clayus Campbell, Jihad Ward, Justin Ellis, uh, Dale Mack, young guy. Um, so it's not like it's completely bare, but you lose the guy who's going to be a starter on that group. And oh, absolutely. Player. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm interested to see how this could affect Jihad Ward, right? I mean, the Ravens signed him back on a one year deal. I think we're pretty excited about that. They spoke very highly of him in the season ending presser, John Harbaugh did. Is there any way that he's one of those three starters on the line? I mean, here, I'm going to pull this up. You know what? I love, I love being in front of my laptop for this whole video thing. It, I can just pull this up so I'm not just pulling numbers out of my butt. It's great. <laughs> you can actually Wait. pretend like you're smart. Exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's compare size here. Jihad Ward, 6'5", 287. Brockers, 6'5", 305. Yeah, yeah, he's about 20, so 20 pounds heavier. heavier. That, so that's, I mean, that's pretty significant, but they're the same height. I mean, can Jihad Ward put on a little muscle, a little size if he wants to play that kind of role? Why not? I right? mean, Jihad Ward, Jihad Ward is, he's a, he's a longer leaner. Yeah, well, yeah, for now, for now, but maybe he puts on, what was the, the term I, uh, the quarantine 15? Maybe he puts <laughs> on the quarantine 15 in muscle all muscle and, and comes back and plays that role well maybe but you also i mean look the, on the defensive line you need a lot of depth because there's guys rotating in and out there consistently throughout a game i mean that's sure. that's it's not like the offensive line where you got your five starters and you're done guys are rotating in there and so him i feel like he's more of that natural uh fit to be a backup to calais campbell now could there be times when they're out there on the field at the same time sure um but I feel like that might be the more natural uh, position fit for him. But look, I think Ward's good. Like, Gion Ward is good. He's a former second-round pick, uh, has bounced around a few different places, but the Ravens like what they got from him last year. He played really well down the stretch. And I think when they signed him, it was kind of like, yeah, we'll see if this guy can, you know, see what he can do. And over the course of the season, they felt like this guy is making an impact. Stats aren't anything that impressive. You know, he had seven tackles in 11 games. Uh, yeah. but, but he – he was an impact player in the trenches and I think he's going to be a good player. Also, Justin Ellis, another guy, again, not big stats, um, played less of a role, but the Ravens re-signed him and that gives them depth along that defensive front so that it, so that it's not a huge, um, it's not like a, a huge need, but I, I mean, I, well, Justin Ellis is a very different player. Let's just say he's six, two, three fifty. Yeah. He's he's, he's, he's the Michael Pierce. Right. If we're, ta- if we're talking about people coming in and stepping into that, that hole now that Brockers, you know, vacated, he's not one of them. Jihad is the most natural fit. But the Ravens are going to, I think, draft somebody on their line too. I don't think they're done. They're not, I don't think they're going to say, oh, Michael Brockers, you know, we moved on from him. We're, we're set on the D-line, right? I mean, this reportedly freed up uh, $5 million in salary cap space from, his, from Brockers' salary this year, and the Ravens have 10 to spend. And as we've seen over the years, the Ravens spend their money. They don't, they don't just sit on it. Um, so I expect them to make some other kind of move to bring somebody in. And also, you know, they're going to continue to draft for the front seven. Right. So the question is, what does that move look like? Uh, is that happening in free agency? Eric Costa has shown he's willing to make trades. So trade is always something that's a possibility or on the table. 
Uh, yeah. And if you read our Twitter mentions, everybody wants the Ravens to go sign Jadavion Clowney, uh, who's still sitting out there on the market. Did any of those tweets come from at Ryan Ming? Did you, <laughs> did you see any of those? <laughs> Is that it? That's who you want, huh? Sounds like you're want you're on that. Camp. Oh yeah. I mean, from a football, I, like just a, from a pure talent standpoint, it would be great to have Clowney. The guys, a stud. Oh my He's gosh. Yeah, that would make me feel a whole lot better about this whole situation. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I don't understand what's going on with Clowney. Yeah. I mean, my best guess is that uh, this whole COVID nineteen and the medical, and you know, he's had some definitely some medical issues recently. Um, I think he played last year, what, with a hernia? Um, yeah, where, like, he, he's, core he's muscle been banged issue. up a number of times throughout his career. Core muscle issue. Um, so that could be giving some teams pause, you know, to handing the guy a huge contract. Mm-hmm. There's also just, you know, his numbers last year weren't great. Right. I, I think you, you put it on the film, and, and that tells a different story. But for a guy that had When's the last sex, time you watched film? Come on, man. You know me. I, I, I pulled out the Harris highlights. <laughs> I mean, last year you got three, three sacks uh, in 13 games. How Are you willing to spend, you know, $15 million? Million. Or 18, yeah. right, more than that, $15, $20 million on a guy that put, had that production last year. So it's been interesting because, I mean, he was one of the, if not the, well, I would say Tom Brady was, you know, the biggest certainly in name. But yeah. Um, you know, a guy who's 27 years old, former first overall pick, uh, just a beast physically, plays the game like a Raven. I mean, mm-hmm. extremely physical up front. I don't know. Is there a way the Ravens can swing it? I- I'm not a financial salary cap guru here. Brian McFarland over there at Russell Street Report, I, I would recommend giving him a follow uh, if you're really into the weeds on that kind of stuff. But supposedly the Ravens have $10 million. They'd still need more to sign their, their rookie class, and they want some, some room to move into the season. So they're, they have the flexibility to add somebody like they did last year on numerous occasions. Um, so they'd have to do some more maneuvering with guys' contracts. But if you can get Clowney on an affordable, even if it's a one, two-year deal, right. I'm, in, I'm listening. Well, I'm that's listening. Thing, I, I, that's what I wonder about with Clowney as this thing – progresses it was kind of it was really interesting talking to jimmy smith yesterday when he says you know sometimes you feel like you're going to get out there on the market and uh, the calls aren't coming in quite like you'd expect i wonder if there's any sense of that in terms of what's happening with Clowney that he thinks oh i mean i think the, the expectation for him was that he'd get a he'd get a five-year 20 100 million dollar contract you know that he'd right. get a mega mega deal i and, expected that to be like one of those ones in the, the two days before free yep. agency technically opens like one of the first ones out of the gates you know, the first domino to fall, who's getting clowny, but it's just been odd. Right. Which makes me say that the market's quieter than he would yeah. expect. Cause, it, Cause if, if he had that huge deal, he would take it. No question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so let's just say he were to do a one year prove it deal because of any of these questions that we're talking about. Right. Then I think certainly you, you'd, you'd be really interested in that, but a prove it deal for clowny, I still would have a hard time seeing that be less than $15 million a year. Like, I can't really see that being the case that he would do a one year 10. You know, I think there would just be too many teams that'd be interested in that kind of a deal for him. So I still right. think it would be a pretty expensive one year, almost like a franchise tag, you know, yeah. somewhat similar to a franchise tag. Well, according, according to the athletics, uh, Stephen Holder, uh, the issue has been that Clowney's basically asking for too much money. <laughs> he, so uh, according to Stephen, 
Uh, he's asking for he and his agent are asking for twenty one million dollars a year. Does that right. sound like it's going to fit under the Ravens salary cap? Right. Not currently. But uh, it doesn't sound like it. It, it's it doesn't sound like he's going to get it either. It, it yeah. doesn't sound like he's going to get it. You can try to sell your house for a million bucks. Uh, someone's got to buy it. You know. Yeah. So there's got to be somebody who's who's. Uh, so I guess this is a long way of saying I would be a little bit surprised if the Ravens were able to pull it off. I think it would be awesome. Um, but it just financially seems like it would be a tough thing to make happen. Um, yeah. But the Ravens also can kind of work. They've been masters at renegotiating contracts and, and working the salary cap, and they do that as well as any team in the NFL. So if they felt like there was a way to do it and the price was something that they were happy with, then I think they would try everything they could to try to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you, I mean, there were reports that the Ravens were looking at Dalvin Sue. Uh, he ended up signing back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, we can't confirm that those reports have a validity, yeah. uh, but just passing what the, the free agency rumor mill is cranking <laughs> out. Uh, you know, today people are talking mm-hmm. out other possibilities, whether it be a Marcel Darius. Mm-hmm. Um, Snacks I, Harrison. Snacks Harrison doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's a six foot three, 350 pound guy. That's, that's Brandon Williams. Like yeah. we don't, we don't need snacks. Harrison Pecco, Timmy Jernigan. I just don't see Timmy Jernigan coming back. Um, Timmy. Well, one of the best laugh. Give, give me a Timmy Jernigan laugh. <laughs> I haven't heard it, but <laughs> there it is. You got it better. That's all. That's one of the, actually, that was, that was my Bryant McKinney. I, I have my, the hands on my hips right now. <laughs> can't see it but i have the uh timmy jernigan was one of the all-time great podcast stories if you're a new listener you might not be aware of this one but that was an (laughs) early podcast first season of the podcast we had a whole different setup and you basically had to hit record in one part of the room then walk to another part of the room so you had no idea you couldn't couldn't see that right you couldn't see that whether you're recording or not yeah so in the middle of it i get up and i go and check on it and realized that we had basically done the entire interview or three quarters of the interview and it wasn't recording and included in that were knock knock jokes that Mink told Jernigan to hear that great <laughs> laugh so he had, to retell, he had to retell the knock knock jokes and see if he could get pity laughs even though Jernigan knew it was coming uh, I'll tell you, yeah, knock knock jokes don't really hit as hard the second time around <laughs> I can speak from experience that was an all-time uh, podcast screw-up by yours yeah. truly yeah, thank you for t- for falling on the sword there, buddy. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. all right, so I, I will so say, I- J- Timmy did Timmy did give us still give us some some laughs the second time around just because he felt bad for us. Yeah, I, but, I, yeah, I, I like Timmy Jernigan. Um, he's been a, he was a decent player in, in Philly. Got a nice second contract. Um, yeah, didn't put up huge numbers. I, I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't hate a Timmy Jernigan reunion, reunion uh, if the price is right there. Um, that's more depth. I think that's kind of like. I think at this point of his career, he's probably in that, in terms of contribution, he's in that like Jihad Award level of contribution, um, lower level player than Brockers. So, um, all right, but what do you think about the draft now? I mean, let's just say they don't add a free agent. They don't add a free agent. All of a sudden, you, does it, you go into the draft and you feel like, okay, three picks in the first two rounds, maybe one of those is going to end up being a defensive lineman, a run stuffer, who we really have not talked about at all. Um, well, I mean, I still don't look at it like a run stuffer. I mean, yeah, he, the player needs to be good against the run, but 
I think the point of getting Brockers in part was that he was another one of these combo guys. I mean, he could give you some pass rush too. Not not big, big numbers, but he's going to get three, four sacks, right? We're not talking about a Michael Pierce. We're looking at a half a sack. Right? I mean, maybe, but I, I mean, Brockers has four sacks in the last two seasons. So it's not like he's just like. Yeah, but I mean, sure. Four sacks combined I, I, in the last two seasons. So like you know he had three oh, yeah. last well, year. Yeah, he had three last year. One, four and a half before that. I mean zero before gen- that. He's generally around. Let's see. Let's do the quick math. This. <laughs> Twenty-three divided by eight. Yeah, go ahead. We're looking at three. We're looking at three. Right. Yeah. Look at that quick math. Anybody out there play? Do you play twenty-four challenge? I do not. Oh, I mean, when you like you're in high school, middle school, twenty-four challenge. No. no. Oh, great game. Great. You got to check that out. Quick math. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, in terms of the draft, I'd say AJ Epinesa would maybe be the right fit there. I mean, you're looking mm-hmm. at the guy who's 6'5", 275, you know, probably would offer even a little bit more in the terms of pass rush, hopefully, than Brockers. Um, also a good run stuffer. So he would be, when I look at it, the most logical fit if you're going to say, well, we're just going to get Michael Brockers in the draft. Right. Yeah. And maybe that happens. I mean, after Epinesa didn't really look great at the combine. I mean, here's a high production guy in terms of college out of Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know how the Ravens feel about players from Iowa and just their how gritty they are, uh, Marshall Yanda. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I don't I, – I like Epinesa. I think that fits. I just have the same feeling uh, that I have with this as I do drafting an offensive lineman in the first round where I'm like, oh, man, you know, like – like you had Brockers and now you you don't end up with Brockers and, and you end up signing or draft using your first round draft pick to just replace Brockers, a guy that you kind of pseudo had, you know, it's just like, man, that's kind of a bummer, you know, <laughs> um, kind of like offensive line. I'm like, man, we had Yonda now first round pick and we, we got a guy who's not even going to be as good as Yonda, man. That's kind of a bummer. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it logically, but just emotionally mm-hmm. I'm speaking. Well, let's, I mean, so we have another version of the mock draft monitor that we put up yesterday. You mentioned it. And this was obviously before the whole Brockers thing went down, but everything in here, everyone's basically thinking linebacker. I mean, that's like the consensus across the board is that it's going to be linebacker, either Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. Um, Mel Kuyper is saying that. Speaking of Mel Kuyper, we're trying to get him on the podcast. We're working. Oh, that's going to happen. He's apparently going to ring me here anytime and to work out of time. So. Uh, it looks like next week. You know, maybe he'll call you in the middle of this, and we can just say, "Hey, Mel, uh, we're gonna just we're gonna do it live. Gonna just do it on speaker- <laughs> my speakerphone. You put it on speakerphone. It'll sound great. <laughs> It'll sound um, like I did a week ago. Yeah, uh, but so look, he's got us taking Patrick Queen. Pete Prisco has us taking Patrick Queen. Um, Zach Bond is another one, uh, has, but he's more of an edge player. Um, but he's why are you enough- just reading the? Why are you reading the guys that have us taking Patrick Queen? Because you think that we're taking Patrick Queen. You forgot about the five well, guys. Yeah, we yeah, forgot yeah, yeah. about all the people with Kenneth Murray. No, no, no I'm not. I am leaning towards Queen. Just as a little teaser there for my mock draft. Uh, but Murray, there's a plenty of people that think Murray's going to be the guy. Um, why are you leaning towards Queen? I am leaning towards Queen because I think that he might be a higher upside player i think there's potential hmm. for that um, why why do you think that because he was the best defensive player on a team that won the national championship and he was defense and that he was he one year production 
But I think that that is because he's a player that's on the ascent, um, maybe a little bit physically more impressive, um, speed-wise, a touch. Um, who's who's is he the taller of the two? He's the bigger I, of the two. He's six one, uh, two twenty-seven, and then Kenneth Murray six two, two thirty-four. Queen is just a little bit more, like a high-end athletic talent, I think, um, in terms of speed. In terms of today's NFL, um, sideline to sideline, all that. I, I mean, Kenneth, like, I would be really happy with either guy, but I just tend to be leaning right now towards Queen uh, because I think that, he, again, he might be a higher upside player and fit with today's NFL where Kenneth Murray, while he can run sideline to sideline and, and play in the passing game and all that, he's a little bit more shaded towards a traditional inside linebacker of a guy who – stops the run first and foremost um what one of those kind of just thumpers in the middle um where i feel like interesting that's interesting yeah I, I guess i haven't gotten that same perception like i i had the perception that that murray was is this athletic freak uh you know i mean they put him on the edge sometimes to just mm-hmm. be a pass rusher show that shows a lot of versatility i mean the guy wins with speed off the edge right um i don't know i mean I, weren't you telling me like a month ago coming out of the combine that I loved that, that I loved Kenneth Murray? Oh, that you just came away. You're like, is this guy real? No, I, mean, I, I still feel that was way. Born, he was born to be a Raven. I, that's why I keep shading towards Kenneth Murray. And, and, you know, maybe a lot of people have him going ahead of Patrick Green. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this. Do the Ravens move up uh, to get either one of those or do they let the first one come off the board and then say, all right, let's be aggressive to get the second one whatever, if one of them is going to go first, it seems like the general consensus that it's going to be Murray. Um, but, you know, things have changed. And, yeah. and the, the Raiders, who have two first-round picks, and a lot of people were talking about them drafting a, a linebacker, one of those two guys, uh, they signed two inside linebackers uh, in free agency. So that's not going to happen anymore. They got right. Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. Mm-hmm. Kwiatkowski. Um, so – Maybe the teams, you know, maybe those guys could both fall to the Ravens. I don't know. Or maybe it takes a smaller jump for the Ravens to get whichever one they like better. I'm starting to feel good that, that one of them is going to be an option, which I think is encouraging. That, like, yes. the, you know, at one point, going into the combine, it was crazy that there was, the box drafts were all over the place. Some had both of them being there. Some had neither of them being there. But I was a little concerned coming out of the combine, in part because of Kenneth Murray's story and how he just, I feel like, won people over, uh, in part with that story. Um, that I'm like, is this guy even going to be there? Is he, is, I'm, I'm nervous that he's not going to be an option. Um, and that Queen might not be there either. Um, but I, it seems like in the latest rounds uh, that there might be one of those two guys there. And maybe then you just sit you know, Sam, Sam Pat at number 28, and you take either one of those. Because I think either of them are going to be a great, like a plug-and-play starting linebacker. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't think there's really, like, a huge negative. But I just explained why I leaned slightly, slightly towards Queen. Still got time, though. You know, maybe – or maybe maybe this is all <laughs> just to throw you off the scent, and then you end up on Queen, and then I end up taking Murray in my mock draft. There's, there's gamesmanship that goes on here. Well, you know I'm a classic tinkerer. So oh, I'm say, aware. <laughs> so to say I'm locked in on <laughs> Kenneth Murray would be uh, overestimation there. Uh, so there could still be a little tinkering. I, twink, I tinkered my way out of a fantasy football championship this past year. So I'm known for doing that a little bit. <laughs> uh, 
what, what year was it where you we you, we did was it last year we did the podcast you took a guy on the podcast and then when you did your written version of the mock draft i think that was, changed no was that i think year? that was hayden hurst hey hayden hurst year i took hayden hurst in the written mm-hmm. but not in the pod version but we all know the written is the final word <laughs> no, that's the official <laughs> last year was i told george that we were going to draft marquise brown yeah but you and i both thought we liked aj brown yeah um you know so both of us turned out being right right so just on the draft before we wrap up today um it's going to be interesting the draft uh there's reports that the nfl sent a memo to all teams saying that the draft is staying on the dates that it's been scheduled to because there was talk of could it be moved and all that um so that the draft will be the same time. And when we talked with Tacosta earlier this week, something we didn't really dissect afterwards is him talking about how this draft is going to be different and that he's going to have to be more hands-on. Like just to explain to listeners, the draft meetings are like a 10-day period after pro days, um, which the pro days will be going on right now, or maybe they'd kind of be wrapping up right now. So then right about now, you would get all these scouts back in the building, maybe next week. Um, you get all the scouts back in the building. And then for like a week to 10 days, they really finalize the board. They hammer it out. And that's when you have the, you know, the proverbial stand on the table. Uh, guys really advocate for certain players. It gets a little bit heated. You'll like see these guys at lunch come out of the draft meetings and they're like worn down. It's, you know, they've just been battling <laughs> yeah. each other for, for the last three hours. They set like massive things of coffee right outside of the room to keep everyone charged up uh, throughout the process. But, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen. I mean, they might be doing it. I'm sure they're going to, they're still going to do it. They're probably going to, they're going to do it through zoom or whatever video conference, you know, they want to use, but it is just going to be different. And the process looks different. And I found it really interesting that DaCosta said he's probably going to have to be a little bit more hands-on this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder the Ravens will find a way to get everybody's voice still included, but I don't know. It's just such a, it's yeah it's just so hard to have those same discussions over i mean i i i say as far as our technology has come i still get choppy video i still hate to facetime and stuff mm-hmm. have you been experiencing that with this whole thing it still sucks right uh, yeah it's not the same it's not the same i feel like i'm shouting at people all the time whenever i'm on facetime I, I did yeah i did a zoom i did a zoom chat with some friends the other day and and my wife was like what it's like, I had to leave the room because you were just yelling for an hour. Exactly. <laughs> as far as we've come from, tech, from a technology standpoint, we still can't get this right. <laughs> yeah. So I just like, like, how is that conversation going to happen um, with that many people in the room? I mean, the Ravens and Eric DaCosta and, and Ozzy was before him, extremely inclusive. Want to mm-hmm. hear from everybody. Um, I just wonder if at some point it becomes a smaller group and, and they kind of, hammer out the last details uh, it, it's this thing's going to have wide reaching uh effects and it'll it'll be like you were talking about yesterday can you suss out which guys can make more of an impact without as much coaching early on you know who's mm-hmm. more polished uh versus raw you know right. if you need that player to step up as the rookie especially right um it, it'll be very interesting i did have some thoughts last night um by the way, this is a little bit off. Well, well, just real quick, just real quick on that. Yeah. The other part of it that's important during the pre-draft process is guys coming into the building and sitting down with coaches and yeah. like, like, I really mean, really getting a feel for somebody. 
you and and like I remember two years ago when we're sitting there in the cafeteria and Lamar Jackson's in there and we're like, whoa, okay, this is quite interesting. Yeah, uh, and that's one of those ones where you keep eating lunch and don't look over because you don't want <laughs> you don't want people to see you looking at that, right? You know, and being like. Uh, like you're taking mental notes you know <laughs> right uh, i'm like just look i'm just eating my mashed potatoes here nothing going on <laughs> not trying not listening to anything but but like i'd be curious if if this was going on two years ago do we end up taking lamar jackson because i think that when they brought him into the building and you talk to him and if yeah. they got a feel for how amazing of a guy he is off the field that that was part of the of the rationale and saying you know what this is a guy we can get behind and he can be our new franchise quarterback like i think yeah. that was a factor not the only factor but a factor right i'd be interested to hear whether they would have taken lamar jackson you know in the way in the way that they did if they had never brought him in anyway i, I don't know i'd be interested in that i know answer. i i would be i would be interested i mean i think probably now the answer would be of course it would be but i yeah. you know but but uh but two years ago, if you just don't have a chance to sit down with a guy, and, and then if, there's a, if you have a player who you're interested in, has some off-the-field concerns, whatever they are, that's a big thing that you address during this process and you say, what, you know, what's the story here? And you get a feel for a guy. Well, you have to think that maybe, maybe the teams just have to submit their list of official visits to the NFL and you do them digitally. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's what's happening. I'm guessing that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, but it just – it is like we're saying it's just going to be different and i'm curious what kind of effect that has on things and we probably honestly won't even know um until until you're looking back on it it's like after the draft and then it, they say you know it, we did this differently this time and and it ended up here was the result so yeah oh so the the thing i was going to tell you okay. about um was i figured out the type of wide receiver we're going to take i figured it's, it out that's the, i already know but go ahead that you've sure. just realized it but i'm curious oh, yeah, to see. i already know i i think that there's a better chance of it being some really good slot kind of guy like dynamic uh yards after catch can make some plays through contact but he's he's gonna bring a difference to the slot got some major speed like my guy um, jalen rager yeah like my guy like jalen rager kj hamler brandon Ayuk. All those guys fit. I think Chenault fits that mold. Lavisca Chenault. Now he's a little bit more outside, but I mean he can be definitely dangerous in the slot. I think those guys. I think I might take Rager. I think I might take Rager. That's my guy. I just yeah. I just might take. I, I, you know what? Right now I'm gonna call Lavisca, Ayuk, Rager, and Hamler. <laughs> those are all off the board for you. The other one who I said at the combine who could be interesting is Lynn Bowden was a receiver at Kentucky and then he played quarterback last year. Cause they, it was like the old high school method where yeah. the guys get hurt and they're just like, put the best athlete on the field at quarterback and watch him run around and see if he can make plays. Uh, he led the team in receiving and rushing yards last year. Um, just like a dynamic player when he gets the ball in his hands and you can do creative things with him. So I, he's another, but Rager is, is one that I've been thinking about uh, since the combine and Jeremiah brought him up to me. Um, so I feel like he's a really – he'd be that second-round range. You know, one of those second-round picks. Maybe yeah, you yeah. take that pick you got for Hayden Hurst and you take Rager. Exactly. I still, you know, it was, we did this uh, – not that the Eric DeCosta is going to make his decision on who we draft based on uh, what play, what Hollywood Brown says, but Hollywood was doing a, a live stream with fans yesterday playing Madden against fans. On, you can watch – it was great. It was fun. Uh, but you can go back and watch it on our YouTube channel, a little plug there if you want. But anyway, a bunch of the comments on there were asking him about whether we should draft CD. 
And he was like, uh-huh. Draft C? Like, yes, I would love it. That'd be incredible. I still would love to find a way to make that happen. I just want him to fall. Come on down to like 20, and then let's go up and get him. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. That's a pipe dream. That's a pipe dream. <laughs> are, are you, were you ever a Madden guy? I was, uh, yeah, I played Madden. I also played the NCAA. Really liked NCAA because I was a college football fan. I think it kind of depends if you're like a college football fan more or a pro yeah. football fan. So I was a big NCAA guy. Yeah, I was a big, big man guy, high school, early college. I used to hit Todd Heap on the 10-yard out <laughs> like it was nobody's business. It was just – it was – I was like Kyle Bowler throwing the Todd Heap, man. It was just money in the bank. <laughs> I guess other guys other than Kyle Bowler as well. Yeah, when we reached <laughs> – That's probably – that might have been the quarterback who was playing it at that time. I think it was. Yeah. Well, when, when we reach the point of the podcast, when you're talking about your glory days on Madden, that's when, when we know it's time to wrap up. Time to wrap it up. Time to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you on Monday. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. You can reach us on Twitter at gdowning14 at Ryan Mink uh, with any questions there or comments or whatever. Uh, we love you all for listening. Stay safe, stay indoors, and we'll be back with you on Monday.